Lisa and I were watching the uh, People's Choice Country Music Awards. It was the first time I think the People's Choice ever gave country music awards. It was, it was interesting. We sort of liked the music. We were watching it and seeing everybody. And uh, toward the end, they gave an award out, the final award that they gave out, to a uh, country western artist named Jelly Roll. Maybe you've heard him before. And, uh, and he uh, was performing live. Not there. He performed actually live in Cleveland, he was, there was a, a concert he was doing, so he couldn't be there. And so they tapped into him, and he sang a song he's famous for called Save Me. And maybe, you, maybe you, you've heard the, the song. It's, just an, it's a very fascinating song. He said he wrote this song in the, in the pits of despair in the middle of COVID. And he says, by the middle of COVID, he says, I was spraying, I mean, I was spraying Lysol into boxes. That's, you know, that moment that when we weren't sure what was around me. And he, and he said he, he, he wrote this song. Now, I've heard the song before. It's been out about three years. And basically, it says, save me because I'm a lost cause, because I can't change, because the world around me is falling all apart. He said, don't just give up on me. Don't worry about save me. And he even had a, 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 a shirt on the, on the back of his shirt as he was singing this. It said, it's better to be with the lost than the found. And of course, because this song has saved me, there was church themes all, all over the place and such. And I just, I, my heart just hurt because it is, a, it is a, a, a cry. But what got me out of watching this, and there was about 20,000 people there, is everyone began to sing the song, sing the song with them, with him. Now, they, you've done that before, concerts, they do that before. And, and, but they were singing it so loud, they were owning the song. They were singing this uh, song, Save Me, because I'm a lost cause, because I can't change, because I'm stuck in alcohol and this world around me and everything has been bad. They were singing it so loud that he, you didn't even need to hear him to know the words. The words were in, I didn't have the words memorized, but you could hear the crowd singing the, singing the words. And then they panned the crowd at one particular moment, and it, it, it caught several people, hands up, raising tears running down their face. And, I'm, and, and all of a sudden, I began to say, this isn't just a song. This is a generational song. It's a generational song, and that is a song that depicts a cry for help that our generation is in. I'm broken. I feel like a lost cause. All these things are... Are, are holding me and trapping me, and I can't seem to get out of it. How do I do that? How do I, how do I change? And I thought about that, and I thought about that generational call, that our, that our generation is, is crying out, save me, and they don't know. And think about this song. It just ends. There's no hope at the end. <laughs> you know, even in, in our movies, you know, it's like everything goes bad and bad and bad, and there's a moment in just about every movie the way they write it, where it's the worst. Everything falls, you know. Darth Vader wins, you know, stuff like that, <laughs> you know. He announces he's the father, he's whatever, you know, and you're just thinking, and then all of a sudden it turns. Something happens as it turns. But this song doesn't turn. And that's why I thought, you know, this is a generational song. This is something that our generation is crying out, saying they want to be saved, but they don't know and I thought about that, and I thought, do we hear that call? Do we hear that cry? Do we understand the world that we live in? Because it's not just, it's not just that singer in that place. It's our city. It's here. It's our neighborhood. It may even be our family. 
There's a story I want to tell you out of 2 Kings chapter 17. It's a fascinating story. It's a story where the, the Assyrian kings, they, were, they conquered the northern part of Israel. And what they, what, what they do in those days is they would take everyone out of that land and put them over to this land. And they take everyone in this land and put them over there. And the reason they do that is so they wouldn't be uh, revolts against them. Because you're living in a land that's not even yours, that you didn't grow up in. So there's not that patriotism that's there. And so they did this to this northern part of Israel called Samaria. But there was a problem. Lions, God sent lions in, in to, and they were devouring the people. And so they sent word back to the Assyrian king and said, hey... Help us, because we don't know, watch this, this is the words right out of the scripture, we don't know what is required of us. What is required? What do we do? What are we supposed to do? Save us, when they were literally crying. What are we supposed to do? How do we change this moment, this, 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 this disaster that, that we're in, in the middle of? Now, the Assyrian king, being a white king, and knowing how to rule a bunch of people, said, well, this is simple. We'll just send back a priest that was from Samaria. And he would teach them what God requires of them. So they got a priest, sent him back. He got there and he started to teach them. This is what God requires. This is the sacrifice that God requires. This is how God wants you to live. This is, this is what it is. And he taught them. And you know, here's the amazing part about this story. It worked. They, they adopted everything that this priest said. I'm going to sacrifice this. I'm going to live like this. I'm going to follow these rules. I'm going to do all this. And they followed all. The only problem was it didn't work. What went wrong? Here's the thought. It's not enough to worship God. And before you stone me, listen to me. Let me finish it. <laughs> it's not enough to worship God and other things. You must worship God alone. And that was their problem. So three times the priest came to me and said, okay, this isn't changing. You're not changing anything. The lions are still out there devouring you guys because in three times he says, do not worship other gods. Okay, you got this part. You're going to serve God. You're going to worship God. You're going to go to court church. But do you understand? You cannot worship other gods. Three times. Now, anytime the Bible says something, you need to listen. It, the Bible, okay? God's word. Anytime it's repeated, it's for emphasis. You need to pay attention. If it's said three times in a short passage, that's the theme. That's the point. That's what God's trying to help us to understand is about this. 2 Kings 17, 41 says, even while, I love that, even while these people were worshiping God, great is our God. Don't you love technical difficulties? Wow. Great. <laughs> the worship leader says, no. We got but you got to worship God through, def, uh, through technical difficulty. Can you worship God when there's no band? Because if you can't worship God when there's no band, that means you're not worshiping God Monday through Saturday. I'm just preaching now. I don't know what happened. <laughs> you got you to be able to do it and say, God, wherever I'm at. So even while these people were worshiping God, Worshiping the Lord. They were singing Bethel songs, Maverick City, Red Rock, all three of them. They were, they were done. Their hands were up and they were, it says, they were serving their idols, their gods. It listed, actually, their gods. 
it, it, it's, a, it's a who's who's list of diabolical evil gods you should not worship. From uh, the god of Venus, <laughs> basically it was prostitution, and the god of destruction, even gods to sacrifice little children to please the gods. These are the things that, that were going on. You see, they, they probably respected the Lord. They were honoring God. They were making sacrifices. They were even singing praises to God and then worshiping their own other idols. Let me just draw a nice picture. No, it's not nice. Let me draw a picture <laughs> and just show you so we can see what was going on. They were going to, the, to God's temple, God's place, making God's sacrifices and worshiping God and singing, like I said, all the Hillsong United songs. They were, they were singing all those songs, worshiping God, okay? Even the hymns. They were doing it all. And they were just honoring God and all like that. And then on the way home, this family, just imagine this family goes and worships God, offers a sacrifice, gives thanks to God, honors God. And then on the way home, they stop off at the temple of Venus and the guys, the father and the, and the, the sons go in and have sex with young girls and then give a donation. Horrible, Greg. Can't believe you even said that in church. This is the world we lived in. This is who we... That is, is around us. Or maybe another family, they come and they make sacrifices and they do everything that they were doing to God. And then on the way home, they take their youngest child and put him on an altar and offering to the God of destruction and do child sacrifice. Wow. How horrible they were. They were messed up people, weren't they? They were just doing, doing that. And yet, we come to church sometimes and we worship and we give thanks. And then we go back and we're trapped by the God of lust in our own worlds or the God of destruction from alcohol and all kinds of whatever addictions or whatever things. You know, it's, it's easy. And we were saying, so Greg, what is this really all about? This morning I want to talk to you and the title for this message is my only point. <laughs> Save me when roaring lions devour. Save me, Lord. Save me from roaring lions that devour us. You know, Jesus, when he was in the wilderness, was tempted. And maybe you've heard and understand the, the temptations that Jesus went through. But sometimes I think we miss the bigger point. Jesus was tempted three times. I don't have time to talk about all three of them. I just want to hit on one that I thought was really appropriate for what we're dealing with and we're sort of where we're at. In Luke chapter 4, Verse 7, Satan comes to Jesus and says, if you worship me, except I probably said it really nice, if you worship me, it will all be yours. What was that about? What was that temptation about? It's not a temptation unless it tempts, okay? This is what he was saying. You can be Jesus. You can be God. You can tell everybody you're God. You can heal, you can teach, you can preach, you can do anything that God wants you to do. Just add me. Just put me with it. <laughs> just, just, just add, let, just worship me too. Do all those things. Be God, do that. You know, be Messiah. Fly around. I don't care. Just add me. That's what, that was the temptation. And that's the temptation that the people in Samaria that were put there 
fell into. I, okay, I'm going to add God. I'm going to add God in my life. Because, man, I need God. I need to make sure I go to heaven. I'm, I'm going to add God. And then we go out and we live our own life. That's exactly what they dealt with. How did Jesus deal with this temptation? Simply said in, in verse 8, Jesus answered, <laughs> worship the Lord. So he says, I said you could do that. Your God and serve him, him only. Serve Him alone. That was the point. That was the dagger. That He pushed back the enemy and said, no, no, no. It's not just about worshiping God. It's a worshiping God alone. You know, I, I get into and read the text in, in the original Greek there. It, these two words just jumped out at me. Him alone. Only Him. Only Him. Otomano is the actual Greek word. Otomano. I thought, if I ever get a tattoo, that's what I'm going to have. Yeah, it's not going to happen. But the point is, Atomano, him alone. I'll put it in Greek so no one can tell. Because that's real cool, right? Him alone. Him alone. But, but I need it. I believe we need to put those words in our heart. I think we need to put those words in our lives, on, in, in everything that we are. It's not just worshiping. It's worshiping Him alone. You see, the temptation is never to stop worshiping God. Don't stop going to that church. Stop doing, stop giving. No, 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 those aren't the temptations. The enemy just says, do this. That was what the, the temptation was. You can have all this garden. Just add my will, Adam. My will, Eve. Just do it my way. See, Jesus reveals today's temptation. Those three, these three temptations that Jesus dealt with are very, very typical of who we are and what we're dealing with. Him alone. Him alone. See, that's the only way we're going to deal with our struggle, our trial. And that is your booster this morning for our 21-day challenge we're talking about. That's it. Booster. Him alone. If you miss everything else, if you don't, then just, just sit back and say, okay, God, how do I this week, we're, we're at day 15, we've got eight days left, how do I this week make him alone? How do I make sure every day is his alone? How do, what, do I, what do I need to do to not add all these other stuff? I'm not saying don't go to work. Say, yeah, Pastor Greg says I don't have to go to work. It's just him alone. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not what I said. In your heart in your life, in your thoughts, in your actions, him alone. You see, we talked about in, uh, in, our, in, our, we talked about in our challenge, belonging requires something of us. Belonging requires, it, there's a cost. How do we, how do, what do we need, what is it going to cost me to put him alone? We talked about in our relationships with one another in Ephesians chapter 5. Remember, it, it says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. There's a cost there. And wives, respect your husband, no matter what you may think, they deserve it or not. That's, that's not easy. There's a cost in all of that. You see, when we don't give to one another, when we don't say, I'm not going to do it, then we're serving, other, we're serving something else. We're serving ourselves. And that's usually the God that we have to deal with here. I mean, there's the God of lust and the God of... 
of uh, destruction and the God of hate, the God of unforgiveness, all those out, are out there. But that's not usually the one that we struggle with. It's usually the God of self. I, me first, what I do. And you might be saying, Greg, okay, tell me, just like the, the people cried out in the land, what's required? What do I need to do? <laughs> tell me what to do, pastor. Tell me what, it, what is required. What's the rule about loving one another, about caring for one another? Let, let me just take you through these rules real quick. You see, the human rule, the one that's just natural, the one that, that is our, our, our sinful nature, it specifically says, do unto others before they do it to you. <laughs> that's the way the world lives, is it not? Do it to them first. <laughs> and that's what the world was like. That's called the human rule, the human nature rule. Well, God came and to try to bring them out of that human nature rule, came up with, a, with a, what's called the law rule. And the law rule says, do unto others as they do to you. Eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It's there. Eye for, do, do it like they do. Only treat them like they treat you. And that's called the law rule. But then Jesus came along and said, let me take you a little bit higher. We're moving away from this human nature rule. And let me take you to something that's so much greater. And gave us the golden rule. We love that. Do unto others what you would have them do to you. You see how it's changing? Do unto others like you would want them to do to you. And that's great, and that's awesome. But what we miss sometimes is that that's not the last relationship rule that Jesus gave. He gave one more to bring us, to help us understand even a greater significance of what does it mean. He said, do unto others as I have done to you. And that's called the Christ rule. That's Christ's rule. Do unto others like I've done. So he was on his hands and knees washing their feet. <laughs> washing. Washing their feet. Sorry, that Texas accent comes out. You understand what I'm saying? There was soap, there was water, there was just, like the feet were dirty. And he goes around there and the disciples were, were a little bit indignant about the whole thing because they didn't want him to do that. And he said, you don't understand. Look what he says in John 13, 15. He says, I have set an example for you. You should do as I have done for you. Do what I do. And then he went to the cross and he died for the whole world. So what must we? Whoa, 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 whoa. Christ died, so I don't have to. No, 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 no. Where did you hear that? Christ died so you can. Because we are buried with Christ. It's not us that live, but it's Christ who lives in us. We take his death, his in our own life, and we crucify our flesh so that we might allow him to live through us. Because our life wasn't good enough. Our life wasn't sufficient enough. Your, life, your goodness is never good enough. It's not good enough. The way you treat each other is not good enough. It has to be in Christ. It has to be the way he does that, what God wants to do. So you might think, so you're saying, Jesus is saying we should just have foot washing ceremonies every week? No. <laughs> Although that would, I've seen them. They're a little messy and dirty. But besides that, <laughs> it's not about that. It's about your heart. It's about everything that's, that you are. The Christ rule is how do we live? What is required of us? I want to pair that with, with a very simple understanding that Micah gives us in Micah 
Because God's word is true. He said, Micah, he says, God has shown you, mortal man. God has shown you everyday people. God has shown you, believer, what is good. Oh, okay. And what the Lord requires of you. What does God want from me? What does God require of me this week? <laughs> okay, it's simple. Just to act justly, just to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's it. That's it. You do those things, you're set. <laughs> but you've got to understand what that is. You've got to understand how Jesus was, was showing us and was teaching us and what he said, how to overcome lions that want to seek and devour us. You see, you have to act justly. Now, what does that mean? Do what's right. Do. Act justly means there's an action to it. It's not about intentions. It's not about good intentions. It's not about, well, I meant well, well, I meant to, you know, but she, if, she, if she really knew me, she would know I would love her. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, if, if, if he understood, you know, I'm doing all this, I did his laundry, so he has to know I love him. Mm. Act, do what's right. It's not about intentions. It's about really what's inside. I intended to do well. It's, it's something that is, that is deeper than that. It, it is to act. And secondly, not just act, it says to love mercy. That word is my favorite word, favorite Old Testament word. If you want to know, Pastor Greg, what's your favorite Old Testament word? Pastor Greg, what's your Old, Old Testament word? Favorite word is chesed. Chesed. I love it. It means loving kindness in your version. You probably have loving kindness, mercy. It's God. We are to love mercy. It's not, okay... God says, I have to forgive you, so I'm going to forgive you. No, you missed it. Start over. <laughs> That's not it. It's not, I love to forgive you. I love to have mercy on you. I love to be kind to that person that cut me off in front of the, in, in the car. I always use up car illustrations because, okay, that's my weakness. I never honk or anything because that's just rude. But inside the car, I am not happy with them. And more and even more, inside my heart. It doesn't hurt them. They don't know it. They're just idiots. I mean, they're just driving along, <laughs> doing their little, little thinking, making wrong turns, and doing like that. But inside of me, it's like, oh, no, no, no. You've got to love. Love mercy. Love. I, I love to forgive people. I love to have mercy on them. Is that where you're coming from? Because that's what is required of us, to do what's right, to make right decisions. Does that mean I've got to be perfect? No. No. But in the future, you do. <laughs> Every time you fall, you say, that was wrong. That's not good. I'm going to make a better decision. I'm going to make a right decision tomorrow. And then if you mess up, say that again. I'm going to make a right decision tomorrow. And then you mess up, you get back up, and you say, I'm going to make a right decision tomorrow. And pretty soon, the Spirit of Christ, because it's not us that can do it, it's Him in us, starts to change us, and we start making right decisions. This is how... We grow in God. This is what we do. And then we love mercy. I love mercy. I love to forgive. I love to be kind. I love to say, no, it's my fault. No, I forgive you. I, whatever you want. To, I love mercy. <laughs> That's God. God loves mercy. And will be merciful to us, to you, no matter how lost cause you may feel until the moment that you stand before Him. Wow. That's amazing. And then it, it ends with walking humbly. Well, he always saves the 
hardest for the last. Because aren't we a prideful people? I mean, it's what Adam and Eve dealt with. I think I can be like God. We don't say it. We just act it. They actually said it. The enemy tempted them with it. And they, by taking the action, they said, I, I think I can, I can be as smart as God. I think I can be as smart as God. I don't have to do that way. I don't have to act that way. I can be as smart as God. And that pride comes in. You know, First John lists about the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and then it ends with the pride of life. We need to walk humbly. This is what it means. And if you're thinking, Greg, I don't think I can do that. That's really hard. How do I, how do I live that way? That's, that's a pretty high standard. That's why you have to die and Christ has to live. Because you can't. It's Christ in you living these things. It's Christ doing that through you. You see, 1 Peter 5.8 says, your enemy. Okay, if you don't believe there's an enemy, do you realize we live in a generation, maybe that's why they're crying out for hell, that has come to the point where they don't even believe that there is a devil, that there is Satan. That it's, it, it is highest as it ever has been. They believe in God because they want to go to heaven. But they don't believe that there's a devil. But the Bible teaches it very clearly. There's a devil. And that devil is prowling around like, like a roaring lion. Looking for someone to devour. When I was growing up, this was preached. This was, I was taught. <laughs> The devil's out there. He's going to get you, going to get you, going to get you, going to get you. He's going to be right there. The lion's going to pounce. He's going to be like that. You've got to watch out. Which is just wrong, okay? So, there, but the movement sort of went away until there was recently a popular teaching that says, well, you know, a roaring lion is the weak lion. A roaring lion is the one they really can't do. And all he's trying to do is really scare you. Well, if you look at the verse, though, being scared, it's not being devoured. <laughs> He's out there and really can I, I was in Uganda, and at the end of a mission trip that we had, we're building a house and doing things. We went on a safari. So much fun. And uh, we would sit on top of the Jeeps, and then we'd go out in the safari. This is wild. This is preserved. This is, they don't manage it more than just keep poachers out. And so we would come up on these lions. There's a lot of tours, and so... The lions weren't, weren't, didn't, do, didn't even react. They just sort of sat there. When the jeep come up with this big loud noise and he would turn off the engine and stuff and we'd sit on top and see these lions and then we noticed there were cubs with these lions. There was a papa lion and there were some mama lions there and there were some cubs and they were staring at us. And so we're sitting on top. I mean, it's just, they could have jumped up and, and got us and he said, he said, whatever you do, the driver, the guide, do not get out of the truck. <laughs> Because they see this as a big, loud elephant. <laughs> They're not going to touch it. They come, it goes, it roars, it bubbles, and they move on. They're not, it's not. But if you, as soon as you separate yourself from this big, loud elephant, and you're on the ground and you're two feet, they will kill you. And anything I've learned in Uganda, there's no rails, there's no safety, on the, like with a waterfall like that. If you die, tough luck. You were just being a stupid American. <laughs> you know, because I'm thinking, wow, this is sort of dangerous. And they said, yeah, don't get close. <laughs> you know, it's just what, it's what they do. And it's just sort of who they are. So they're sitting on, we're sitting on top of this and we're looking down at these and he says, that, it says, that mother will kill you if you get off. If you just step out, even beside the truck, it will see you separate and it will kill you. 
something inside of me just remembered that when I read that verse. When we separate from God's protection, when we separate from God's church, when we separate and we're trying to do it on our own, when we separate from what God wants us to do and how God wants us to live and we're trying to do it like that, then there are, there are forces out there that will kill. The devil comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. We don't have to fear him because there was a, another movie I love that was about these lions that were attacking these railroad workers that were building in Africa across. And uh, there were two really cool stars, Michael Douglas and Val Kilmer Band. It's this awesome pair up. And they, I know, I seriously dated myself, but they, they were trying to kill these, these, these uh, not elephants, but these lions. And they realized there was just one lion, and there was a moment in the movie when all of a sudden they see a second lion, and they went, oh, no, there's two of them. This is crazy, and they're, they're killing together, which is never done. This is, this is amazing. What, what's going on here? And one of the characters in the movie says, these are not lions. This is the ghost and the darkness. And I, I just thought about that, and I thought, oh, wait, 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 wait. These are not lions. This is my pride and my sin. These are not lions. This is, this is my weakness. These, this, is my, these, this is my selfishness. These are the things that are pulling me. These are the things that devour us and that come up and try to destroy us. We live in a, in a generation of darkness. This is lust. This is sin. These are the, this is hate. This is my own selfish will that's trying to, to move into my life. See, you need to understand something. You are not a lost cause. The world is crying out, and that generational song is, Save me, I'm a lost cause. And they feel like it, but you are not a lost cause. God has, is so much greater and so much stronger than any of the idols that are there. And it, 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 it says, if you just put them away, if you don't serve them and serve me alone, it makes all the difference in the, in the, in, in the world. You see, you are not a lost cause because in this picture you need to understand there are two lions. Not like in the movie. There's two lions. Because Revelation chapter 5, I love this, in verse 5 it says, Do not weep. Do not, do not give up hope because see, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able in your life. He is able. He is able. God is able. God is greater. God can do so much more. He can turn things around. God is able if you trust him. God is able if you're, if you're trusting in who Jesus Christ is. He is the lion of Judah. He is Jesus Christ. He is there for your family. He is there for your, your life, when, if you feel like your life is hopeless, is a lost cause, God is there. If you feel like your family is a lost cause, if you feel like someone you've been believing for or hoping for, they're a lost cause, they just, they just can't do it, and they're crying out, save me, and they have no answer because this world has no answer. All they can do is cry out, but all, we have the answer, and the answer is found in Christ. The answer is found in who He is, Him alone. Him alone. Him alone. Atomano. Atomano. Only Him. Only Him. And we say, God, how can I love you? How can I serve you more? How can I live for you? Then it's just every day their challenge is, God, I'll pay the cost. You alone. 
I'm not weak. I'm not strong enough to defeat this. I'm, I don't have the, the ability to overcome this, but God, in you alone, I'll trust. It, it, that's all you need this week. That's all you need. This week, every morning, you wake up and you say, Him alone. Christ alone. In Christ alone, I will stand. In Christ alone, I'll believe. In Christ alone, God will touch my family. In Christ alone, God will work in my body. In Christ alone, God will change this, the circumstances around us. In Christ alone. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your presence and your power just moves in our hearts and our lives. God, we love you so much. And Father, our heart, our desire is to know what is it, Father, that we can do to live for you? What is the, the practical booster this morning to, to understand, God, how you can touch and change into my life? And Father, that we can, you can overcome every despair, every weakness, every single failure that God seems to plague us. And it's only in you alone. Father, I pray for that right now. I pray for every single heart. If there's anyone in the sound of my voice, if there's anyone watching online, if there's anyone in this room that does not know you, that has not worshipped you alone, that has been just added you to everything else that they want to do in their life, God, we at this moment, at this point, we say, we declare as a confession of our faith, God, you alone, I will serve you alone. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my own selfishness, my own pride, my own desire. And Father... It is in you alone. It is in you alone. God, I thank you for that. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would just comfort every single person. And we pray for that. We believe in the name of Jesus. God is good, isn't he? God is so good.